0: Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Chad Peavy. Chad, an author and teacher, grew up in an emotionally and physically abusive family in rural Arkansas. He spent years learning to overcome the trauma, depression, and anxiety that followed him into adulthood. Following his passion for personal development... Chad has created a system for supplanting damaging beliefs with healthy mindsets, and he now offers guidance and support to all who want to find the same freedom. In the episode, Chad shares how to identify and unwind inherited beliefs, why everyone can benefit from a mentor, therapist, or coach, and more. Before we get to the episode, I want to share one of my favorite resources with you, ThriveMarket.com. I don't know about you, but I used to think eating healthy meant I had to spend a lot of time and money at the grocery store until I discovered Thrive Market. Thrive is an online grocery shopping platform that's essentially a mix of Costco, Whole Foods, and Amazon. Since Thrive delivers groceries directly to your door, they're able to cut out all middle people, and heavily discount their inventory. When I buy groceries on Thrive versus going to my local supermarket, I save at least $20 per order, and I'm able to fill up my cart from the comfort of my couch. To read my full Thrive Market review, seal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash thrivemarket, or just click to the link in the show notes. All right, it's time to hear from Chad. Enjoy. I'm Brooke Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Chad. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast.
1: Hey, Brooke. Thanks so much for having me.
0: I was just saying people aren't going to see your beautiful background because I don't publish the video, but you must be the third or fourth guest in a row that has had this really incredible background and I'm sitting in my closet. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'll at least Mm -hmm. enjoy looking That's like, how many books would you say you have?
1: A few hundred at least. Yeah, hundreds. Yeah, hundreds.
0: That's very, very cool, too. And your book I see prominently displayed, which we will definitely get to, of course. Of course, of course. Uh, Can we start off, actually, by you telling us about your background and what led you to write your book, Break and Untangle?
1: Sure. I Um, really the book was something that I wanted to write as a reminder for myself. So yes, it's a book for other people, but it was really a guide for me to remember some really important lessons that I had learned along my journey. I grew up a gay kid in Arkansas. I was a first generation college student. My, um, my dad was a sadist. So that was really interesting. Um, not interesting. It was horrible. Um, And I discovered as a young adult that I had learned some things growing up by way of family, by way of the fundamentalist Christian environment that I grew up in, by way of my culture in a rural part of Arkansas that just was no longer serving me as an adult. I I got out. I had started my own business. I was doing all the things I was supposed to do, and yet I was not... Happy, and mm. I was having a hard time hanging on to meaning. And I started unpacking um, the things that that needed unpacking. I, I I found personal development, like I think many people find personal development, and and it's when things got really bad. When things got really bad, and I really needed help, that's when I discovered personal development, and I started doing the work, and I went to work on myself. And I decided that I wanted to document that journey and share what I was learning with other people. And so that's what I write about in in Breaking Untangle.
0: Was writing a book as awful as everybody makes it sound?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Short answer. Yes. Um, It took me about four years to write my book and it shouldn't, I don't think, take anybody that long. But what I was writing about, I was, I was documenting the journey and I had to do a whole lot of, I've been in and out of therapy since fourth grade mm-hmm. and I'm more in than out. And I had to do a lot of therapy work and personal reflection work along the way that just slowed the process down. Um, so yes, it took a very long time and it was extraordinarily painful.
0: I'm sure. Yeah. Especially to write the type of book you were writing. It's not like you're writing fiction about some made up characters.
1: Yeah. I mean, it felt like fiction sometimes, mm -hmm. but, but it, it was, yeah, it's a nonfiction.
0: You write in your book that our brains are like heat seeking missiles. Can you Mm -hmm. explain what you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So what I'm talking about when I, when I, when I wrote about that idea is the idea that we're constantly trying to confirm the way that we believe, the way that we look at the world, we're always trying to conf- to prove ourselves right. Hmm. We're always looking for evidence in the world that proves us right about the way that we have chosen to look at the world. And I talk about, for example, affirmations. I, I, I found on my journey that it wasn't helpful to give myself affirmations, but it was really helpful to give myself affirming questions. So instead of trying to convince myself of something, talk myself into something, I would ask myself how I can become that which I was trying to become. Mm. And it was, it was like giving like catnip to my brain. Mm. And, I would, and my brain would subconsciously go to work trying to answer the question instead of me fighting myself constantly to believe this affirmation that was really, really hard for me to accept and believe.
0: Yeah. I mean, that idea of affirmations is thrown around so much. And Mm -hmm. so I guess from what you're saying, let's let's take an example. So instead of saying. I don't know, I am a confident, successful person, if you don't Mm -hmm. feel like that. So then you would ask yourself, how do I become a confident, successful person?
1: Yeah. So I might I might say, what what can I do today? That will demonstrate confidence and success,
0: Hmm.
1: and I'll start looking for the answer to that question instead of just sitting there going, "You know, I am wonderful, I am beautiful, and and gosh darn it, people like me." Mm -hmm. uh, I I start giving myself something tangible to go after. So, what can I do today that's going to make me feel uh, like I've contributed, that I've Mm -hmm. given, that I've made a difference, and go out and and answer that question instead of convincing myself that I'm useful and I'm productive and I'm confident and successful.
0: Right. That's, that's cool. Uh, it reminds me of, have you read atomic habits by James clear? Yeah. I feel like everybody has at this point, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I use it all the time in the work that I do with clients specifically on nutrition and weight loss coaching. And he says something similar where if you have this type of person you want to be, Every day, can you take actions that are just small votes towards that type of person that you want to be? So it's not that you become that person, you just cast votes every day through your actions. And I like that you use the word tangible, because
1: Mm.
0: a lot of times affirmations don't give us something tangible. It's just kind of out there or woo woo. Well, it's like we're
1: searching for a feeling, right? We're trying to to convince ourselves to feel a certain way. And feelings are f- fleeting and uh, usually align. So h- how can I create something tangible that, that points to that which I want to be and create? Mm-hmm. Uh, I found helpful for me.
0: Right. That's, that's interesting. You also talk a lot about inherited mindsets. Mm-hmm. Can you describe what that means and how those can hold us back?
1: Yeah. So I think one one of the examples that I talk about quite a bit is the inherited mindsets that I grew up with specifically around money. Uh, so I broke my book into three different sections. The first being matters of self. So those things that relate to who we are and our own identity. The second part is those ideas of strategy, those, those day-to-day tactical things that we have to do in life to to get where we want to go. And then third, social. So interacting with other people, understanding our place in the world and our relationship to others. And in the middle of this strategy section, I talk about the, this idea of money and the inherited mindsets that I picked up around money. And a lot of it is, in, when I when I say inherited mindsets, things that I picked up that I did not consciously choose for myself, mm-hmm. but traditions, customs, just the way it's always been done that I never stopped and considered, is this really how I look at it or was this given to me? And so, inherited mindsets are those beliefs, those ideas that are given to us. So, with money, one of the things that I picked up was um, it's easier for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle than it is to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. And so, if you're carrying around this idea in your head that rich people aren't going to heaven, then we will not become rich. We will not allow ourselves to live with abundance or, or aspire for wealth. And that Really hit me hard. Another one around money was how money was treated in, in my house growing up. So my dad's money was always off limits to us. Um, we never talked about his money. He kept his wallet back in the day. Microwaves were like um, the size of you know small vehicles, and so yeah. we had this microwave <laughs> sitting in the corner. And on top of the microwave cabinet was my dad's wallet. And I always knew that dad's wallet was off limits. Never touch it. Um, My mom, on the other hand, was the one that always gave us money for lunch or field trips, or I was in band. And so she would give me money to go to the games on Friday nights. And so I got this message growing up. I inherited this belief that money comes from women. Money doesn't come from men. Hmm. And so when I had my business, I owned a a marketing business um, in Keller Williams, inside of Keller Williams. And we would I would work with these agents and they would come in, and my staff would point out that I did not charge the men the same amount or do the amount of work commensurate with the amount of money I was making with the men. Whereas with the women, they would come in, I would say, This is what we do, this is what it costs, and charge their card. So it took someone from the outside to make me realize that I was experiencing money differently when it came to receiving money from men versus women. And so I, start, I dug in at that point and started figuring out what's going on here. Why am I experiencing these ideas around money differently when it comes to men versus women? And that's a really, I think, practical way of looking at how inherited mindsets, those mindsets that we just picked up that we may not have been aware that we were carrying around can show up for us and have a really tremendous impact on what we're doing day to day.
0: Hmm. And so is that your three part untangling process of let's say somebody identifies this mindset they have where money comes from women, not from men or women hold all the wealth. How do you untangle that through your process?
1: Well, in in my process, the first step is always awareness, bringing awareness to it. And then really talking it out ad nauseum is, is the method that, that we typically use around here. So, going from every part of that, how that's affecting us, how that's affecting other people, uh, what are the behaviors that are being derived from that belief, uh, what are the emotions behind that belief, and working that out uh, just by looking at it from all these different angles.
0: Mm. And is it better talking than journaling, let's say? Would you encourage people to talk about it?
1: Yes, I do encourage you to talk about it. Um, And I think journaling is great. I mean, I journal all the time. I've got my journal here in front of me. It's just sort of an ongoing transcript of my life. But talking it out, and I think talking it out with significant people in your life is really important. So in all of the coaching that we do around here, the homework is almost always go talk about this with a significant person in your life. Mm. And give other people an opportunity to point out those parts of you that you are blind to. And allow others to reveal parts of you that you no longer or have never been able to see about yourself.
0: mm mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. I know that's... you are a huge advocate in finding a mentor. So, is that mm-hmm. the significant person you're kind of referring to? If you have some type of mentor in your life,
1: it can be. When I'm talking about significant person, I'm usually talking about like a significant other.
0: Okay. Um,
1: the person that you're closest to in life, the person that's seeing you up close and personal and behind the curtain of your life. Okay. Uh, allowing them to point out and giving them the space and the permission to show you parts of yourself that you're missing out on. Right. Another way that I've done that is through group therapy. I'm, I'm an advocate for, for group therapy. I've been in group for several years, and I really like the process of group because it, it is sitting there looking in a mirror and being able to experience other people in a way that shows you parts of yourself uh, has been extremely helpful for me. Hmm. And as far as mentorship is concerned, I I look at that more as role modeling and being able to identify those people that are living the life that you aspire to live. Um, And so I I look at those things a little bit differently.
0: Okay. And so group therapy, is that typically more accessible if... Somebody can't afford, let's say, one-on-one therapy. Is it typically more affordable, or you said it can be more beneficial even than one-on-one therapy? Can you kind of describe the pros and cons of both?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, individual therapy, as I mentioned, I've I've been doing that since around fourth grade, and it was really helpful for me. I feel like I I got really lucky. My therapist in Austin, when I was living in Austin, I I think I was with him for 16 years. Um, So I I lucked out and found someone that I really connected with and really uh, respected and admired. Somewhere along the way, he recommended that I join his group. He had Mm -hmm. a group. And the group that he was putting together was an interpersonal relationships group. So what that meant was you people who are in there are interested on in working how they connect with other people and build relationships with other people and how do you stay in relationship with other people. It was very here and now focused. And so almost always before you would share in this group, it would start with, you know, I'm how you're feeling. So it was this idea of, of like a feeling first language that you're using. And by identifying the emotion, then you're able to relate to the person that you're talking to or that you just listened to.
0: Hmm.
1: So that's how, how that would work there. Um, Group for me, like I said, was it's, to me, it is like looking in a mirror. Anytime that I would experience anger or frustration um, with another person was almost always because they were showing me a part of myself that I wasn't comfortable with. I was almost always responding to them in ways that I'd responded to how I was looking at and seeing myself. And the opportunity to examine that in that setting was really helpful for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Group uh, is more affordable typically, in my experience, group has been much more affordable than individual. So I pay probably for one whole session for for a month of group uh, would cost me what one individual session would cost. Mm-hmm. So it has been more accessible that way. And there have been times when I've done group therapy and individual at the same time. There have been times when I've done individual group and couples counseling all at the same time. Those were busy weeks. Those were some really <laughs> intense, really emotional weeks. And, and I, I discovered uh, therapy hangovers and I, and I realized that we're going to have to slow this down. So that yeah. didn't work for very long. Um, and, and right now I'm just in, just in group and, okay. and working on, on just how I relate to other people.
0: Therapy hangover, I've never heard that term before, but- it Oh, it's
1: a real thing. Like a real, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a real thing.
0: <laughs> That's for sure. How does somebody uncover a long-held belief or an inherited mindset? Uh, like you mentioned the money ones. It yeah. seems to me if they're just kind of part of you and you've believed them your entire life, they'd be hard to uncover.
1: What I found in myself and what I find with my clients is typically where we are feeling anxiety, it, there's something to uncover there with, with an inherited belief. So I know I hear your train, by the way.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to mute myself. <laughs> it's always there. It's always uh, lurking. It's I'm sure every listener on the podcast has heard the train
1: All a aboard! a handful of
0: times. Yep. <laughs> Fun little background noise. It
1: gives you character, Brooke. It yeah. gives the podcast character.
0: Thank God for the train. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay. So anxiety, I was talking about anxiety. So I I think for me, I've, I've had anxiety. It's just part of my makeup. And I've learned over the years that anxiety is typically pulling me towards something. So I look at anxiety as, as this tension that exists between the way things are and the way that I want them to be. And so if I'm experiencing this tension, then there's something that is out of alignment that needs looked at something. There's something under the hood that needs examined. And so that for me has been how I've uncovered those inherited mindsets that need unpacking and looking at and examining and going out and finding mentors that can help me reframe uh, how I'm looking at something in my life. So that's how I've done that.
0: The money one, for example, were you feeling anxiety around money in your business? And that's kind of what led you to maybe seek out a business coach or somebody to help you identify where that anxiety was coming from?
1: Yeah. So there was a lot of anxiety around money. And the one that I like to tell is the one about the the difference between men and women. But I was also the guy that had the student loans that felt a lot of anxiety around that. I um, had hired an assistant to, to manage all of my money for me because I didn't like facing the bank account. I didn't like dealing with any of that stuff. Um, so I had a car repossessed because I had ignored my bills and paying my bills. And it's not because there wasn't money coming in. It's just because I was an avoider. I didn't want to deal with any of the money stuff. And so, I had an enormous amount of anxiety around money. And I knew that I needed to dig in and uncover what that was about. Um, I I had always measured my self-worth by my bank account. Uh, There was always a direct correlation between the amount of money in the account and my mood. Uh so there was a lot of money issues that I had to to deal with and work through.
0: Mm, interesting. You detail yeah. 10 or sorry, 12 mindset methods. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by mindset methods?
1: So I when I was unpacking the stuff that I was going through, I realized that there were these 12 distinct ideas that needed to be worked on. So <laughs> It was you know, the first one was talking about purpose and finding purpose in our, in our lives. Uh, I talk about identity. As someone who grew up gay, I had a lot of identity issues to work, work on. I, I always felt like a chameleon in life, going through life, trying to fit in everywhere instead of just being me, covering up my mannerisms, watching how I talk. So there was a lot of identity issues that, that I had to confront. Um, and I, I discovered that there were 12 of these different mindsets that were sort of cornerstones to my personal development work. Mm. And, and working through it, I, I offer exercises in the book that I discovered or created. Um, and those are the methodical ways of looking at a mindset, unpacking it, going through the process of discovering how that might be holding us back so that we can go out and, and do something different with our lives.
0: Interesting. So, around purpose, mm-hmm. you would then kind of explore what is your mindset that you have around your own purpose in the world, and through your questions, really unpack that.
1: Yeah, and so studying studying what it meant to have purpose, uh, I I had um, purpose for me had always been like this big, hairy, scary idea. Like, what is your purpose in life? And I was always like, oh god, if I answer, what if I get it wrong? Like, what if I answer? my purpose is this and I'm wrong. Like it was just paralyzing. Um, And so I had to do a lot of work around really understanding what exactly is purpose and is purpose a life sentence? Turns out purpose for me was not a life sentence that, that there was a season in our, in life and we go through different seasons in our lives and those seasons, we can have different purposes for different seasons of our lives. Understanding that, There is a common purpose that we all share. And so our common purpose, and this has been from the Tao Te Ching to the Bible to all all of these ancient texts, our common purpose has always been to serve one another. And so putting the foundation on purpose that my purpose is to serve others. And there's this season is, is how I'm going to do that. And then my personal scope, what am I capable? What has life prepared me for? in order to live out my purpose for this time in my life. And when I started putting a box around purpose is when I started being less intimidated by purpose and really being able to move through life with purpose. Hmm. So that's another example of, of how these mindset methods uh, get played out in the book.
0: Are there wor- buzzwords like affirmations or advice that you see other life coaches or therapists dishing out that you that kind of irk you in a way because you think that's actually not very helpful
1: i think that the what bothers me i think is this whole idea there's a lot that bothers me bro because we get to know one another you're going to learn this (laughs) there's a lot that bothers me
0: let's hear Um, it let's get into it
1: (laughs) one of the things that really bothers me though is this idea that there is a final destination that there is a cure that one, one day we will achieve this idea of this, this perfect idealized version of who we are. When in reality, it is making a decision every single day to show up, to do the work, to make the choice every single day that I am going to not suffer from what could be, what should have been, what's gone on. But I'm making the choice today to suffer toward creating the life that I want for myself, that I want for the people that I care about. And, and that's what bugs me, not putting enough emphasis on the journey itself. And not that it's some pleasant journey, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it is a journey of, of suffering and work. But the choice lies in what we choose to suffer toward. A- mm-hmm. And the power is in suffering toward, not suffering from. Power in that distinction.
0: That is really powerful.
1: Well, I think that that I think the reason, Brooke, that I'm not fully Buddhist has always been that um, we shouldn't suffer. Like we get to a place where we don't suffer, but I'm just not that enlightened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt really bad when I was studying Buddhism because I was like, "I'll never be a good Buddhist." <laughs> but then I was like, "I don't have to be a Buddhist. I can just choose to suffer toward." Like I'm, I'm maybe I'm addicted to suffering, but I, I want to suffer toward. I want at the end of my life to have some scars and have some wounds and have proof that there was something that I discovered that was worth the wounds and the scars and the fight.
0: Hmm.
1: And to me, that's, that's worth suffering toward.
0: What you're describing reminds me, I can't remember where I saw it, but somebody was describing this surfer and wave analogy. Have you heard about this? Mm-mm, tell me. So it's essentially a surfer swims out in the ocean. That's not the fun part, right? Like the swimming out, the getting out there if anybody's tried surfing, I mean, that's really hard, at least for me, because I'm not in shape to surf, I guess, but it's grueling to get over the waves and to get out there. And then you wait and then the wave comes along and that's the peak, that's the high point. And then you inevitably fall off the wave. And then what a surfer does is they don't see that as the end of it, or this is awful or terrible. They know that's part of the process. And then they swim right back out and wait for the next wave. So they were describing this as... The falling off the wave is the suffering or the tough part of life that inevitably happens to all of us. Mm. And the idea is to understand that when you're riding the wave and things are great, there will be a period that's not so great coming. And that's just the cycle of life. But then there's always that wave coming again. So you just swim back out and you get the next wave and there's these peaks and valleys. But to approach life more as a surfer does, waiting for the next wave and just constantly swimming back out there and embracing that suffering or hard times or whatever it is, however you describe it is all part of it. Yeah. And I yeah. just have been thinking about that a lot recently because it just, it makes sense. It just, I love visuals like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I do too. And I, I like the surfing because I, since moving to Northern California, I've, I've begun surfing more. Really? Yeah. Nice. Uh, I, um, yeah, I think it's, about remembering to, to swim back out and catch the next wave yeah, is challenging for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that was another thing that I learned growing up that just because you've fallen doesn't mean you've fallen forever. Like it's yeah. not over, you know, you, you got to find some resilience to go back out and, and catch the next wave.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it's, it's hard to remember that sometimes I think, especially, you know, when you fall, you're like, Oh, it's hurt, it's painful. Now you're telling me I gotta go do it all over again. <laughs> yeah. You know?
0: There will be joy, but I will fall again. Like what? Yeah. What <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. It it's it's the you know, the myth of syphysis, right? Like just rolling that boulder up the hill over and over and over. It's like it's it's hard. It it it's really hard. It's been hard for me. It it's been hard for me to attach um to the meaning of it. Mm-hmm. And realizing that the meaning, th- there is no meaning. The only meaning is the meaning we give it. And that doesn't mean anything. Um, and so all of these stories about failure and restarting um, are challenging for me. And yeah. so I, I can really, really sympathize with, with that idea.
0: Hey there, health investor. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Just popping in here for a quick minute to share an exciting opportunity with you. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in sustainable weight loss. If you've been struggling to lose weight and actually keep it off, I'd love to connect with you in my group or one-on-one coaching program. Unlike restrictive, hard-to-follow diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed habits and an everything-in-moderation mindset so that you can lose weight permanently, Feel completely in control of your cravings, have steady energy throughout the day, and stick with healthy habits long term. To learn more about my coaching programs and apply to work with me, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram at thehealthinvestment. Now, back to the episode. I think it's also great that you speak of the journey, and that's the whole thing. It's not that we arrive at some destination. I mentioned I work in the nutrition and health and weight loss space. So I posted a video on TikTok that ended up resonating apparently with a lot of people because it got a lot of views and a lot of comments. But essentially what I was saying is it's January as we're recording this and a lot of people are viewing their healthy eating or weight loss journey as a destination where they will do something for a short time, they will achieve the success they're looking for, And then they will have reached it, and then that success will last forever. And so this is why there are all of these diets out there and programs that people subscribe to, but then the weight bounces back because they're not looking at it as a lifestyle commitment forever and ever. And so it's reminding me of what you said because I hopped on this video and was explaining my own story of... When I lost the weight and adopted habits that work for me in terms of movement and nutrition, that was great and good and fine. And I lost it. But now I continue with those habits every single day to maintain Mm -hmm. the success I had. And so I think about my nutrition every day. I think about what exercises I'm going to do weekly. I think about how am I going to get my steps in every day. I'm constantly, you know, putting myself to bed at a decent time so that I can get enough sleep. But it's a it's a journey that doesn't end. And sometimes people don't want to hear that. They want to hear you lose the weight, you hit that destination, it stays off forever and all is good. But in the same way, it's a constant work in progress. You can, You never stop working at it.
1: Yeah, it's not a um it's not a one month course you buy, it's a lifestyle change.
0: It is, forever and ever. And that's how you're describing, mm-hmm. I think, just how we yeah. go about our purpose and our identity. I mean, this is all a work in progress mm-hmm. forever. Uh and yeah. just finding kind of peace in that, I guess, because it can seem daunting, but
1: <laughs> Well, it sounds daunting when you say it like yeah. that, right? Forever. <laughs> It's forever. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, that sounds awful. Um, but it, yeah, it, it's all in how you look at it, right? Like it could, it could sound like it's awful and forever, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy, I think, overall, you know, with doing the work. I love the process of discovering more about myself and discovering more about how I'm showing up with other people. And discovering more about how to make more out of this human experience, mm-hmm. and I, I, I love that. I don't, I don't think of that as daunting at all. Right. Um. It's not easy. Right. Losing weight's not easy. Figuring yourself out's not easy. But at the end, I think it's worth it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if somebody is hearing this and they've never done group therapy. They've never done one-on-one therapy. They've never picked up some type of improvement, self-improvement book or self-help book, however you want to think about it. Yeah. And they kind of feel like that's for other people, not for me. What would you say Mm -hmm. to that person?
1: Well, I was like that person. I relate to that person. I completely get that. I think that personal development, self-help gets a little bit of a bad rap because some of the loudest voices are a little more woo-woo, I think, than most people in the spot that you're describing would be willing to accept for themselves. For me, it was about finding people that really resonated with me that made sense to me, that spoke the same language as me, that I really connected with. And that doesn't mean that I have to connect with that person one on one even even though that's fantastic but for me my foray into personal development was by going to a personal development seminar and just being in the same room with that the person leading it being in the same room with other light-minded people who were looking to accomplish some of the same things and starting there and allowing myself to be open to another way to think about things another way to consider how I've been living and just going with it. And and it's not as scary as, as I imagined it was before I got started. Um, but f- I, I think that that is key. There, there are so many teachers out there that are willing to share what they've learned with you, do just a little bit of work initially to find someone that really resonates and, and speaks your language.
0: Unfortunately, is how I
1: would start. Yeah,
0: unfortunately, there is so many social media platforms now where you can hear people speaking about how they, the language they use, or the work they Mm -hmm. do, and I think that's a really good point to find somebody who speaks your language because if somebody is talking about affirmations and manifestation or things that feel kind of out of your comfort zone, maybe you don't start Mm -hmm. there. Maybe you start with somebody who's just speaking in more kind of candid, frank, easier to understand terms or whatever, you know, whatever that means for you.
1: Yeah. The terms that resonate with you. I also don't think it's a bad idea to look for people in different parts of your life that you're looking to get help with and having more than one, I'm calling them teachers, but or teacher, teachers, mentors, influence, people of influence, whatever you want to call them coach. Um, you know, I, I have people who I look to as financial mentors, people that I look to for personal mentors, people I look at for um, relationship mentors, fitness mentors. I've I've got a little collection of of mentors, a a community of mentors that I've created for myself over the years. Uh, And I've gotten to know them, like I said, from going to workshops, um, people, I read their books. I might see their stuff on TED Talk or, or on YouTube or social media. And that's that's how I collect this group of people that I allow real estate in my head uh, to help guide me.
0: Hmm. I like that. One of the final questions I ask each of my guests is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment?
1: What does it mean to make the health investment? Hmm to me to make it, to me it means to be willing to do the work on yourself know, knowing that there will be consequences for your courage and yet you do it anyway hmm. that that's the investment in in my head
0: hmm. i love how you phrase that there will be consequences for your courage but you do it anyway i've never i've never heard yeah. that before I like that. When you were talking about, you know, finding somebody to be a therapist or mentor and doing that work on yourself, I saw some meme somewhere that I, I mean, I'm gonna mess it up. But somebody was re- recommending therapy to someone and the person said, Oh, how did you know, I needed therapy? And they said, I've never met anybody who doesn't. So unless you Mm. are the one human on planet earth who doesn't, uh, and that's always kind of stuck with me of not feeling above these things and realizing that we all have work we can do and it's challenging, but also as you've said, very rewarding.
1: Yeah. A therapist or a a coach. I don't think that that's unreasonable. Mm -hmm. Um, they serve different purposes and understanding the difference and getting what you need out of that relationship. I wouldn't be afraid of looking at either a therapist or a coach, and I think you're right. No matter who you are, a little extra dose of perspective never hurt anybody. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's a great way also to reframe it. Of it's just an extra dose of perspective. It's just that's all it is. It's mm-hmm. not that that removes kind of the barrier of maybe it feeling very scary. Of just hearing somebody else's perspective.
1: Yeah, and allowing you to hear your own perspective. Mm. You know, getting asked some really good questions that allow you to think about things a different way. Right. That that might have been difficult for you to arrive at on your own.
0: Where can listeners follow and find you and buy your book?
1: Yeah. Well, actually, I will give everybody listening a copy of my book. You can go to ChadPV.com and right there on the homepage um, is a place where you can get a free copy. Oh my
0: gosh. That's so kind. Thank you. And is that yeah, the best absolutely. place to connect with you? Are you on one social media platform more than another or?
1: Uh, the email list, once you get the book, you'll get on the email list. That is probably the best way to stay in touch. I am on all the socials. I can't promise that I'll be consistent. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that I were. Um, but I am there. I would, I would love to connect with any of your listeners on on social and, and see them on my email list. Get the book.
0: Awesome. Well, it has been such a pleasure chatting with you, Chad. I look forward to staying connected and just thank you. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Brooke, thanks for all you're doing. And I appreciate the honor of being invited.
0: Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition, And before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs, do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.